0: Apologetics is just making a case for something. It's it's giving evidence and reasons behind why you believe what you believe.
1: Life as a mom can be really hard, and it can seem like we have nothing left to pour out. I'm Tina. And I'm here to tell you that you're not alone. Join me every week as we talk about God's purpose in our marriage and motherhood. Though at times those feelings of inadequacy can be overwhelming, there is so much joy to be had in the ordinary if we just take a few moments to find it. have been excited for this episode for several months, and I'm so glad to bring it to you today. My husband and I have three school-aged boys, and we have made a deliberate decision to enroll all three of them in public school, a topic that we may get into more in a different podcast. One of the consequences of that choice is the unfiltered exposure to sin every day, Though I am able to be in the classroom regularly again this semester, there's nothing I can do to shelter them from witnessing the reality of the fall, even in elementary school. Over the summer, I read Mama Bear Apologetics, Empowering Your Kids to Challenge Cultural Lies, a book by Hilary Morgan Ferrer and Nancy Piercy. The book discusses in detail our Role as Parents in the Instruction of Biblical Truth in a Depraved Culture. When I read it, I knew that I needed to bring the author in onto the podcast to share her wisdom with my listeners. I'm so pleased to welcome Hilary Morgan Ferrer today. Our conversation covered such a wide scope that I've decided to break it into two episodes. This week we'll go into how we can properly equip our children to defend their faith and not be lured away by a culture that tries so hard to destroy it. Without further delay, I want to get right into the interview. All right, welcome Hillary. Before we get into any of the deep topics of today, could you tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: So I grew up in a Christian home. I really don't remember a time that I didn't believe in the Lord. I I really felt a strong connection with God from a very early age, which I know can be rare. And I never had a time where I just like radically walked away. There was a period of time where I think um, in some ways I morally walked away for a little while. Um, <laughs> it was when I lived in L.A. Things, uh, and But as far as just following the Lord, it, it has always been something that has been a, a large part of my life. And I attribute a lot of that to to apologetics, which is why I've gone into apologetics ministry. Uh, when I was 12, my pastor went through a couple of apologetics series. Namely, he went through the Liar Lord Lunatic series, you know, the trilemma from C.S. Lewis, Um, evidences for the resurrection, where he went through every single alternate hypothesis that skeptics had ever given and showed systematically how they actually made a lot less sense than just believing in the resurrection. Uh, And then finally, he went through um, evidences for the New Testament documents. Are they reliable? Can we reliably say that what was written back there in the first century or second century is what we read now? And so... The evidence is just absolutely overwhelming. And so while I had always walked with the Lord, it wasn't until that time that all of a sudden I realized, oh my gosh, this faith is mine. Like this, I can actually talk about this from an objective point of view. Like you and I were talking about your middle son and how he's just the question asker. That was me all growing up, always asking questions. And I'm not, I I can't remember what kind of questions I asked, but, or if I even felt permission to, I'm sure I asked questions about the faith. but. This was the first time that someone actually presented answers even before I had the question. And that really changed the entire trajectory, I think, of my Christian walk, just that no matter what I went through, because I think a lot of times when people doubt it, it's because they're struggling with something emotionally, something that's gone wrong in their life or or just other different things, and they start to walk away from the Lord because they're not feeling that comfort. They're not feeling that peace. I, I felt like I didn't have permission to do that because I couldn't unknow what I knew. And I felt like I would have to check my brain at the door in order to walk away from Christianity, which is kind of funny because a lot of times people accuse Christians of checking their brain at the door to become Christians. And I actually felt the opposite, that I would have to check my brain at the door in order to exit Christianity. So I guess that's a little bit of history of just my walk with the Lord. Um, As far as Mama Bear Apologetics is concerned, I started that probably around 2015, 2016, uh, it took us about a year to kind of get up and going. I didn't want to put anything out there until we had, you know, a solid website. We understood, how to podcast, and we knew that we could continue with the work. And um, yeah, so I, I just, uh, that that started with a, uh, what was it, a Sunday school at my parents' church that my husband, who's also an apologist, I, he and I were both asked to come in to just kind of help field questions. And, um, there was a woman who stood up and gave her testimony, which you'll see in the introduction of the first book. And you'll see in some of the first few podcasts on the mama bear podcast, Jody, and where they had raised their children, she and her husband raised their, their boys in a Christian environment. They went to a they did youth group. One of them even rededicated his life to Christ in college. And then the first job outside of college his boss says that Jesus is basically Santa Claus for adults. And there was something in him that just clicked. And all of a sudden he came home and said, I don't believe in God anymore. And she was not an academic. She, um, she was a fitness instructor. Not that fitness instructors can't be academics, but usually it's like uh, people kind of tend towards dis- different spheres, whether it's the the intellectual or the physical or the emotional. And, um, and so She just basically did what she would normally never do for herself. Her faith was strong. Her faith was solid. But she saw her child struggling. And she she said, by golly, I'm going to do whatever I need to do in order to protect my child. And so she started studying apologetics. She started studying philosophy. She started studying worldview. And every time he came home, she would ask him, "What, what are your questions? And basically, she would research his questions in between his visits home. And uh, next time he'd come home, they would talk about it uh and discuss you know what she had found and she she did this for years, and I thought that is that is this instinct that I don't think we have really seen people harness in the church like what is that? I'm like, that's a mama bear right there she it's you know sweet, maternal, cuddly until you mess with her children. And then you will rise up to see the beast of beasts to do whatever she needs to do in order to protect her children. And I thought that is wow, how moms are going to be introduced to apologetics because they understand that the world is it, it's in a battle for their child's minds, for their child's faith. And they when when they realize kind of what's going on when we wake, when we wake up and realize, oh my gosh, this is what's going on in our world. There is nothing that a whole army of mama bears won't do. So that's a little bit about me, a little bit about the ministry.
1: Now, apologetics is not just because the Bible says so, even <laughs> though so many of us, we know the um, John 17, 17.
0: Uh-huh. Sanctify
1: them by your truth. Your word is truth. See, the Bible says it. So it mm-hmm. is true. You know, I remember, I remember thinking that, oh, that's all I need to know. As a mm. child, is well the Bible says it's true, and so it must be true. But now I'm like, well, that's circular reasoning, right? Anyway, <laughs> um, so so you already kind of touched on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but why should we study apologetics as mothers? Because, I mean, especially when our children are so little, we might think we've got time. Mm -hmm. Is there a reason to start now instead of once they're into high school or college, et et cetera?
0: Yeah. So I would say that uh, apologetics has kind of gotten a bad rap in the past. And it's been sort of dominated by men because it was this way for men to kind of debate and almost have that intellectual sparring back and forth. And women are like, you do you, you do you, boo. That's not my thing. Um, you know, and, and apologetics for the sake of converting hardened skeptics very rarely works every now and then it does. My husband is, ha, has an example of one that it worked with. It was actually a guy that he debated uh, that was an atheist that uh, they like just kept meeting and over coffee. And the guy went from being a, this might not make a lot of sense, but mean from an atheist to an agnostic, from agnostic to a deist, a deist to a theist, a theist to a, a, a Christian. Now he's at like a, a, a real, you know, historically Orthodox Christian church. And um, so you you do see that some, but that's a lot of work that goes into um, someone who is already, shall we say, deconstructed from the faith, if he had any faith to begin with. I would say when it comes to moms, we need to be listening, number one, to these deconstruction stories, because this is basically a roadmap for how the world is going to try to rip our children's faith away from them. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to work backwards from that deconstruction story. And we're trying to construct that faith in a way that if someone comes and tries to offer all these questions and tear down their faith, they're like, oh, We already talked about that, that, you know, you answer that question with this, or this is how that makes sense, or no, you're, you're using that verse out of context. That's not a contradiction here. And they, they already know the arguments. Arguments don't have a lot of teeth when you've heard them before. It's when you've heard them for the first time that you assume,
1: oh my gosh,
0: nobody knows the answer to this because nobody has talked about this. Um, I think one of the things with kids is we are preparing them to have a history of knowing that tough questions have good answers. Because when they encounter a a tough question in the future, they're going to be able to draw on all sorts of experience of, well, when we had these really tough questions in the past, there was a good answer. Maybe I should look for an answer for this one. If they've kind of grown up and not hearing there being any good answers to any of these questions, they don't have that history. So they think these tough questions don't have answers. I'm not even going to look for them. This is what we saw with uh, the guy from Hillsong, I think Marty Sampson, when he went through his whole deconstruction thing and he was like, okay, here it goes. You know, uh, pastors are abusing. Nobody talks about it. There's contradictions in the Bible. Nobody's talking about it. This and that. Nobody's talking about it. And there was this uproar from both the Christian community and um, uh, John Cooper from Skillet, who basically gave this guy a smackdown. Saying, are you stupid? Like the people have been wrestling with this for thousands of years and there's all these answers out there. But he he did it didn't occur to him to even go look. And it's probably because he had never experienced any of those questions before. So he just assumed that nobody was talking about them, even though we have a rich history of people talking about them. So that is what we're giving to our children with apologetics. Now, we'll we'll define apologetics real quick, just because some people might hear that word and think, oh, our, what are we apologizing for? Because, <laughs> you know, that's, that's what we think um, with the word. Apologetics is just making a case for something. It, it's giving evidence and reasons behind why you believe what you believe. And we are apologists for all sorts of things in our life. I will tell you, my mom is an apologist for Instapot. Like, you cannot be in conversation with her for more than 10 minutes and not have her bring up Instapot and how awesome it is. And here, let me get your recipe. Have you gotten one? Let's go shopping online so you can get one. She knows all the reasons why she loves it, all the ways it makes her life easier. And she will explain it to anyone who even says the word cooking. Um, and we see this with people who have a favorite band, that they will go through all the reasons why that band is superior. Or we have our our football, our, our guys with their football teams that will explain all the reasons why this football team is superior. And yet at the same time, when we uh, give our Christian faith, we say, well, I just believe. No, like there are reasons to believe this is true. And our children are only going to be as confident to proclaim that truth as they are confident that it is actually true. So like you think back to the Hebrews 11, um, the Hebrews 11 passage, now faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. It doesn't describe faith in this blind way. I believe it because the Bible says it. Anything that makes you more sure and more certain actually increases your faith. Because some people will give the argument that, well, if I knew everything, I wouldn't need faith. No, the more more you know, the more faith you can have, because the more your confidence can rest in the objective truth of what we believe in. So how does that all tie in
1: with what we've kind of seen as a mass exodus of sorts of young people from the church from christianity i mean i've seen it friends that i was baptized this at you know at the same time with or we went to camp we went to um, all the youth group things the children's ministry bbs all the christian schools anything like that like the stats what do the stats show and how does that tie in then is that because we're not given necessarily the answers and the world
0: seems to have the answers. (laughs) I I like, um, I like Frank Turk's intro to his uh, podcast uh, across I think it's a cross-examined podcast where it says our kids are being talked out of the faith. You know why they're being talked out of it is because they were never talked into it. We have turned Christianity into a culture instead of um, an actual belief in something that historically occurred that had spiritual meaning so every other world religion you look at it's some private revelation of some dude on a mountaintop that comes down and is so certain and you know just beaming with you know certainty that everybody says oh follow this guy he's uh, he's obviously revealing truth and usually there are truths wrapped up in there because the best lies are wrapped in partial truth so it can look like they have the truth christianity is as far as i know the only religion that is based on testable historical events, that if they did not happen, then our faith is useless and our faith is in vain and we are to be pitied as fools, like uh, Paul says in First Corinthians 15. Basically, yeah, it's like our, our whatever we're doing with following Christ is meaningless if Christ was not raised from the dead, which makes us say, are there objective reasons for believing that Jesus was raised from the dead? And if there are, then are there objective reasons for believing that the Bible transmitted this information accurately? I also believe that there are. Uh, just based on study, I, w- I would say anyone who's wanting to look at that. Uh, Jay Warner Wallace has an incredible book out called Cold Case Christianity. He was an atheist uh, detective, a cold case detective, who got so tired of people talking about Christianity that he said, I'm just going to use all my skills and I'm going to basically treat Christianity as if I were investigating a cold case and just felt certain that it would fall through and he could finally have the proof to show Christians y'all are stupid but what happened is he that's how he became a Christian is he realized these read like eyewitness testimony they don't read like people who have you know gotten in cahoots and tried to create a story. We do have evidence of the disciples all being killed for their faith which you don't see basically there's no such thing as a perfect conspiracy um, and that, that's how he became a believer. So that objective truth that we can base our life on, um, is really what makes Christianity different. And I'm starting to forget what the original question was that I was answering. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it was,
1: it was about, um, just the, the mass exodus of, oh, yes, you know, growing is. up in all the church and, and maybe just knowing what to do. You kind of alluded to that. It's mm-hmm. that culture
0: yeah, it's the culture yeah. that they've been won to. It's, you know, because you can find friends in pizza in lots of different places in high school. Basically, no one's doing that for you outside of maybe sports and youth group. And sports, you know, they don't even do a lot of pizza parties, but there's a lot of camaraderie. But youth group is specifically to try to get these kids together in the hope that that's kind of keeping them culturally Christian, which is very important. You need to surround yourself with other believers because a lot of times while they're in that culture, while they're in that environment they are basically doing what they're supposed to be doing. But it's like raising plants in a greenhouse. They can grow really, really well in a greenhouse. And then you say, mm-hmm. well, uh, time time to leave the nest, little birdies. And you put them outside and those things die like fast. They don't have deep roots. They haven't had to suffer the elements. Um, and they basically can't hang. Now, that being said, people, uh, you know, sometimes think, oh, kids are walking away in college. But the statistics are showing that the process of walking away starts as early as middle school. I think a majority it's in middle school and high school. And there's even a a large percentage in, in, um, in elementary. I haven't looked at those stats. I know I should have those off the top of my head, um, but the, the stats are in chapter one of Mm -hmm. our first book and, uh, just kind of talks about when are they leaving? And so basically it's the college is just basically when they finally don't have to go to church anymore because no one's making them and they haven't developed any true doctrine, And the the ones that maybe do stay with Christianity after that, they don't have any, they don't know what true Christianity is sometimes, what that doctrine is, what it teaches so that they can spot lies when there's churches. That are teaching what itchy ears want to hear. They, yeah. uh, they, they. You think they think you put a Jesus stamp on it and it's Christian? Or someone describes this is how Jesus is, and they they don't know how to read their Bible to say no, that's not who Jesus was in the scriptures. You see Jesus like this when you see the writings of Paul and the other apostles. They describe a life of submission, a life of having to bow to authority to Christ's lordship. Um, you know, as James talks about it, faith without works is dead. Versus what a lot of times they're getting, which is something we call therapeutic moralistic deism, where it's basically God just wants you to be happy. He's kind of there as your counselor and to live a good life and to leave the world better than you left it. And basically that's it. And that is not the historical Jesus. Now, it's not that he doesn't want us to be happy. It's not that he doesn't want um, us to leave the world better than we left it. But his goal for us is holiness. And that comes through trials and tribulations. And if you aren't expecting trials and tribulations, then you're going to feel like someone sold you a false bill of goods Mm -hmm. on Christianity. Because a lot of times, I think we see Christianity presented as, you know, you're just going to have this amazing peace all the time, peace that passes all understanding. Um, If you do it God's way, it's like he designed it to work well, and so things will work out for you. And then when things don't start working out, when their parents get divorced, or they get divorced, or the kids in the youth group are mean to them, or what have you, whatever you want to do, or they're being told like right now, your Christian beliefs aren't just wrong. They are bigoted and hateful. How are we going to have children that stand up against that if they don't believe that this is true in the first place? And so I think that's what we're seeing happen is that we kind of have gotten lazy with our intellectual Christian muscles and relied on culture to keep our kids Christian and realize the culture has vastly shifted. And no matter what they have when they're under our roof, if we're not preparing them to basically be out from underneath our roof, which we should be doing, um, we're, we're leaving them out to the wolves, kind of.
1: Yeah. So theres there's been this long debate on um, whether homeschool, Christian school, public school, which one is right for Christian families to choose for their kids? So, you're saying it, any of them can be good, or it, like apologetics and understanding and being ready to understand and explain your
0: whatever faith. decision like that's key? Yeah. Whatever yeah. decision you make on that needs to be made purposefully, not by default. Just like we need to have reasons for faith, we need to have reasons for why. We're putting our kids in public school or putting them in private school or homeschooling them Um, because either way, like, like, sorry, I interrupted you. Like you were saying either way, we need to be preparing them for the worldviews that are out there. Now, if our kids are in public school, we're going to probably have to do a lot more work with that um, because there's a a quote from a book that I read that is in that I emphasize over and over again in, in book two of Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Sexuality. Uh, it's uh, done by a guy named David Kahneman. He's a PhD psychiatrist, I believe, or psychologist. And he says that the the human brain has a hard time distinguishing between that which is familiar and that which is true. And schools right now have turned into, um, well, not, I won't say all schools. There's a lot of schools. There's some schools out there that have amazing school districts that they're they're keeping with the reading, writing, and arithmetic. But there are a lot of schools that are going down the route of Um, it's called social emotional learning, and it's basically teaching critical theory, uh, which is teaching the worldview that everything that you experience can be interpreted in terms of who is oppressed and who is the oppressor. And you can discover who the oppressed and who the oppressors are by what category you fall into. What is your race? What is your gender? What is your religion? By the way, Christians are considered the oppressor group, um, because we've been dominant for so many years, uh, not the case anymore. Uh, and what is your sexuality? And what is your gender identity? And based upon you know these things, sometimes more, uh, you determine whether you are oppressed or oppressor. And so the social emotional learning is t- made to teach kids where they fall on this spectrum and how they need to um, basically lift up the voices of the people who are most marginalized. And the people who are most marginalized aren't necessarily lifting up biblical truth. Um, not saying that they're not, but they. Not all are always, but anyway, it's it's just a whole different way of seeing the world. So being prepared to teach them a biblical worldview of no, all of reality can be explained in terms of God created a perfect world and we see evidence of that good creation, but we also fell and we see evidence of the fall. It's, it, you know, you, a lot of times you hear the thing, well, that's bad design. So there can't be a God. No, there was originally good design, but things got all janky when Sim came into the world. Um, and then in terms of what do we do about this? So for the the secular philosophy right now, what we do about this is we have to do all this social justice stuff in order to make sure that every single one of the oppressed groups all has equal voice, equal power, equal everything. Versus the Christian worldview says, uh, we are sinners in need of a savior. All of us equally are oppressed under sin, shall we say. And we need someone who will save us from that. And that's Jesus. And then, you know, what? what is, where are we going? Destiny. That would be eternity for Christians versus, anyway. So it's like, we have to recognize what worldview our schools are coming from. In, in a public school, you need to be saying, I'm purposely going to be addressing these things as they come up. That way they're exposed. Like you said, you want your children to be exposed to these, but you need to also be saying, okay, what do I need to be talking with them regularly? Because if they're hearing this all day, every day, remember, the mind has a hard time distinguishing between familiarity and truth. That's going to seem true to them just because they've heard it so many times. Um, and the same thing for for private Christian school, you're going to have maybe a better culture there. But a lot of times, People are teaching from a Christian worldview, but not teaching what a Christian worldview is. And so they may be having this cultural Christianity that they don't really understand how all these pieces come together. So we need to be asking them questions. How does this work with that? How, you know, what does it mean for, uh, you know, what does this passage really mean? And asking them what questions are you having and encouraging them to dive deeper because they're just kind of taking it for granted because it's being handed to them. And then homeschooling, I think. is is really great because you really have control over all of those different things. Where you can be instilling that Christian worldview, you can be having a class in apologetics from the time when they're young. You can be going through critical thinking, um, the the laws of logic, which you, you used to be normal for elementary schools. Going through logical reasoning, uh, that's not done anymore. Uh, and I know a lot of the classical Christian schools go through that, and I think it's excellent. But homeschooling takes a lot of time and a lot of work. Now, I mean, less so now that we have so many co-ops that are out there. And some people can afford to do that. You know, they, they can have a, one parent that stays home, but other people can't. Some people can't afford to have their kids in private Christian school. Um, other ones, maybe public school is the only option that they have, but um, because of financial reasons. But whatever we're doing, we're doing it purposefully, knowing that we're going to have to address different needs based on which option that we choose. And none of them can we do autopilot.
1: Well, how do you do that when our lives are so jam packed with just I don't know, just all the schedules, all the things, and then keeping up with okay, now what is the world teaching? Like how <laughs>
0: how how do you keep up? How do you actually implement this? Since I since I don't have children, I I can't really speak to this authoritatively. I have all my other mama bears do uh, have children, so we've talked about this. Um, if COVID has taught us nothing, I think it made us actually be still from all the things that we thought were important. And I think it was probably one of the best gifts that we could have been given because we started realizing things that we put as really, really important that once they were all taken away, we're like, it's actually nice moving at a slower pace. (laughs) I actually don't mind this so much. But um, that being said, I would say if, if you're too busy to be able to really be teaching your kids a biblical worldview, something needs to go. Because that is primary. Um, I, It doesn't mean that they just stop all their sports or stop all their things. It's like, we we should all have things that they're investing in. But we have to make the main thing the main thing. Because... um I'll give an example of something that my dad said to me the other day. Uh, You know, my parents are really proud of me for the books. And it's like, I am never, I'm in my forties and I'm never too old to hear my parents say that they're proud of me. Um, It still makes me feel like a little girl, you know, kind of swishing around. My parents are proud of me. Um, But my dad said something the other day in text um, that um, he was talking to parents about the book and they were really impressed, blah, blah, blah. But he was like, that their kids have walked away from the faith. And he's like, I'm so proud of you that you're still walking with the Lord. That right there meant so much to me because for those who don't know, I've gone through, I've basically gone through hell this last year in terms of physical stuff Um, with the surgery that I've had. Um, it's limited me. I have a completely new normal, um, but that right there, my dad told me that all the other stuff was great, but the thing he was proud of me for was that I was still walking with the Lord. And that mattered to me because that's something I can do whether I'm sick or not. That's something I can do whether I can walk or not, whether I can see or not, whether um, whatever happens to me, whether I have children or not, whether, um, you know, do do your worst. You think of, uh, what's what's the lady who's the, the paraplegic? Johnny Erickson oh, Tata. Yes. You know, there's a lot of stuff that she can't do, but she's walking with the Lord. And knowing that that is what made my parents proud, that to me is the epitome of what it looks like to keep the main thing the main thing. Yes, we should be proud of our kids for that touchdown, but do they hear that we're proud of them because of the questions that they're asking about Christianity, the way we see them putting that Christianity into work with their friends, that time they forgive, the time that they could have blown up, but they chose to turn the other cheek. Do they know that we're proud of them for that? so also all that being said, I think family dinners are so important. Um, there's a family down the road here that we go to their their little family dinner, and it is so precious. Their ch- their children are still young enough that they don't have tons of stuff. They're not in the competitive sports leagues yet, uh, but they probably will be soon. But their family dinners are such a joy to go to because they have you know certain prayers that they do beforehand, and then they do a family devotional after, and it's just this this time of fellowship together where there's no phones, there's no screens. It's just the family interacting with one another. And like I say in the in the second book, you know, we can have all the answers in the world. We can have all the apologetics knowledge. We could know all the philosophies, all the everything. If, if we can't have that strong family unit, that family unit, everything that God really intended for us to know about him is known in family. And so pouring into making our families strong Uh, even if that means we have to give up other things that are good.
1: I hate to cut off our conversation so abruptly, but the second half is just one week away. I'd like to thank Hillary for her time. The book is a must-read for parents who want to ground their children in practical biblical truth. Hillary also co-authored a second book with Amy Davison that released in October, Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Sexuality, Empowering Your Kids to Understand and Live Out God's Design. Unfortunately, the second book is all too relevant in today's culture also. We get into some of the tough topics in that book next week. I know I left our chat so encouraged to ground myself and my children in truth. If you want to purchase either one of her books or find out more about her and her ministry, you can check out the links in the show notes.